How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me, as usual, is Leonard. And for a little short recap, we are going to uh, go over the most recent SummerSlam event that occurred this past Saturday, July 30th in Nashville, Tennessee at the Nissan Auditorium. Nissan Stadium, sorry. Um, and <clears throat> although Leonard didn't see it, Leonard will give his two cents when he sees fit, right, Leonard? Which will not be happening. I, <laughs> I, I know zero about what happened uh, at the time of this recording. I'm just coming back from from vacation. I went to um, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, so that's my excuse for not watching the pay per view where I got. Oh, man, you were even close enough that you could have just gone. I could have just gone, but we were doing other things with family. Uh, I got this Knight Rider T-shirt down there for those of you watching on YouTube that I am wearing, I like so it. I'm sure you will absolutely, and I, yesterday, I did nothing, today I was swamped with work, so I have seen nothing, I've heard nothing, and I'm sure you will absolutely amaze me with what happened on the show. All right, well, let me give you uh, my opinion of the show, and, you know, to me, this is a monumental show, in that it's the first show since the retirement the announced retirement of vince mcmahon and it's the first time that's happened with him not there since it said on wikipedia in 1982 so you know we're talking a pretty long time so i'm actually glad i didn't do this recap right away leonard i had thought about doing it while i had had a few beers in me and mm -hmm. just doing it as like a solo video i had sure. really contemplated that but I'm glad I didn't because since the days that this has come out, I've heard a lot of kind of heard this groundswell of opinion of people who are like declaring it really great because of Triple H's creative leadership and it's the start of a new era and all this kind of stuff. And it very well might be the start of a new era technically because he is the head of creative and Stephanie's the CEO. So that is kind of a given. But I thought the show was okay. It was entertaining overall. But I don't know that I understand the high praise that I'm hearing about. Like some, and if you understand what people mean by it, please let me know. Because, like, and I'm saying that not just to you, Leonard, just in a general audience sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, my guess, without getting reading everything, I think it's just, you know, during the NXT era, so many people wanted Triple H to take over and thought that that was the best thing and that that would happen. And again, what we saw in the past year with his health scare and with NXT as he created being dismantled. And him being demoted. And demoted. It was like, that's not going to happen. And I think that there were some people who were upset about that, didn't care for that. And, you know, I see, to make a parallel, when the 2016 Ghostbusters came out with, with the female cast, there were people who were raving that it was the greatest movie ever made by human beings right and then within say three four five months those some people were saying oh, that was okay and it's because at the time the movie came out there was this fear there was this notion that if it didn't get over using a wrestling term right that it was going to sink the ability for women driven blockbusters right that you would not have female-driven blockbusters unless you praise this film, which was technically not good. I, I would, if you liked it, you liked it, but you can't tell me that technically it was a good film. It was not. 
Uh, and I think some of that might be the same idea here. The fear that if we don't come out of the box saying, oh, this is best, this is great, this is exactly what we want, that it's going to undermine or demean or maybe cause them to relook at this direction now when everyone knows, you know, hey, we, we don't want to screw up what we what we think could happen. Right. We've got to praise it no matter what. And then that could be some of what's going on. No, and you know what? That's actually a really good point. And um, I will say that when Triple H was in charge of NXT, I was watching pretty regularly. Uh, I enjoyed the creative decisions he made down there. There was a very much of an attention to the matches. And, you know, the storylines were very simply told, but they were told in a good way. And they, I mean, look at all the stars they created that are now in AEW. Um, I mean, there's a ton of them. So I, I liked what he did, and I'm anxious to see what he does now that he's in the position. But to immediately, right out of the gate, be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, I I'll just, I'll go through it all, and maybe Leonard will notice something that I didn't, okay. just based on my description. So the uh, first match on the card was Bianca Belair against Becky Lynch. And by and large, you look at the card and there's a lot of rehash. And this is one of them. Yes, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch have good chemistry together. They put on a good match here. Bianca retains. I enjoyed this match, not as much as their match at WrestleMania, but I thought it was a good match. The highlight of this match is the fact that Becky shakes her hand. And at the end, you have Bailey returning, but not just Bailey returning. She returns with Dakota Kai, who had been fired, as far as I know, and Io Shirai kind of forming a new faction of sorts. And I'm, I was so happy to see Bailey back, but even more happy to see that the Dakota Kai is now a main roster person. She deserves it. I think that as time goes along, you'll see both of them being Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, you know, really develop their characters and do well. Um, so that was the big highlight of that match. Is there a reason that those three women are together? Not that I know. I didn't watch Raw. I know they attacked Becky on Raw. I don't know. Like it just so Bailey came out. She basically said, "You thought I was coming back alone, huh?" Well, something, something, something. <laughs> so basically, it's just like we want Bailey to have a faction. Sasha isn't around right now, anyway. And uh, there you have it. So. Okay, because I, I don't remember any connection between those three women specifically in the right. past. There, yeah, there isn't. Um, so, and I, I would give that match about three and three quarter stars. Uh, the second match was Logan Paul against The Miz. And my daughter, who is eight, watched this with me, this whole event with me. And when this match came on, I said, I don't care about either of these people. And, you know, I, uh, there is a guy at 411, I believe it was Mr. Slimmer, who gave this match an incredibly high rating, and I don't know why. <laughs> but now Logan Paul's good in the ring, technically. He, you know, it, yes, he's. I think that's part of it. Whenever a celebrity can get in the ring, and Logan Paul's a celebrity more or less, yeah. he doesn't trip over his own feet. People lose their shit, and right. I don't know why that's the case. Yeah, and they, they he, hold him to a different standard. Exactly, and you know he did fine, and the match was what it was. I gave it three stars. I think what bothered me the most about this match is that Tommaso Ciampa is with The Miz. And I don't know who made that booking decision. Okay, question again. Is there a reason? There might be. Again, I don't watch every week. But for somebody to look at 
Tommaso Ciampa's history, his demeanor, his overall look, and say, I need to pair him with The Miz. That person is not in touch with reality. They're just the only thing I could think of would be a bodyguard role. It looks like something like that. Maurice was there, too, wearing an incredible outfit, but I digress. Um, now, maybe they're hoping that the Miz's personality would rub off on Tommaso Ciampa. He's more of that stone-cold type of, you know, straight-faced killer type person personality. I don't know. Uh, maybe that was the reasoning there. I still think it's stupid. Um, but anyway, the, the next match is Bobby Lashley against Austin Theory. And uh, I should add Logan Paul defeated the Miz. No surprise there. Uh, Bobby Lashley would go against Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley retained. And the whole story leading into this is that Theory is, might cash in. He might cash in. He might cash in. Um, and so he has this match against Bobby Lashley, who, who wins in the match. Again, I, I would probably give this match about three stars. Um, it was fine for what it was. Theory's okay in the ring. Bobby Lashley is the person that deserved to win this. Um, so yeah, I guess before the Lashley match, you see, uh, a vignette with Max Dupree, who is formerly LA Knight, formerly Eli Drake, for those who, who haven't followed his history. And he has some stable of guys that I genuinely don't know what they're supposed to be. They're drinking water. They look effeminate. I don't know. I just don't know. And I'm just going to leave it at that, Leonard. When you see the vignette, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Well, from last I heard, I thought that that they had taken that away from Max Dupree and they had introduced his sister. Uh, yeah, these are two gentlemen. There, I think there might have been a girl there. I forget. But um, but yeah, so yeah, you saw that vignette. Then you see the Lashley Theory match. And then after that, you would see the Mysterios, Dominic and Ray against the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And the Mysterios win this match, and uh, uh, you know Ray and Dominic came out in a shirt that's very much a uh, homage to the Eddie shirt that I'm wearing right now, mm -hmm. and uh, that was cool to see. Um, the match was about two and three quarter stars for me. It was what it was. Dominic's just not—he's not very good in the ring, and, and it shows. It shows when he's—he's he's in there with three people that are very good. So um, you know, you know, I told you I, I do a pick 'em on Facebook, even though I don't watch the product regularly, and I do fairly well. Up up to this point in the show, this is the first match I missed. I did pick the not Dark Order. What are they called? The <laughs> Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Because I, I I I did pick them, even though my gut would go with the Mysterios because I think that there is a a connotation around them or around Ray that they're better than well that Dominic's better than he is yeah and I mean one of the reasons that the Mysterios won is because Edge returned um, there was some vignettes leading up to this pay-per-view uh, with with Edge and he kind of came back as like this kind of I don't know no pun intended edgy version of his character <laughs> um, so you saw Edge return. Who knows what's going to happen there? I guess he's just going to feud with the Judgment Day. But uh, after that, you would see Pat McAfee against Happy Corbin. And McAfee won this. I don't know that he's lost the match. Well, that's not true. He did lose against Adam Cole in NXT. But uh, since he's made it to the main roster and been a commentator, McAfee's won his matches, I believe. And, uh, you know, I feel really bad for Baron Corbin. Um you know, if you follow him on Instagram, he seems like a genuinely cool guy that you'd want to hang out with. And he just loses, loses, loses all the time. 
they keep him around and they keep him in main storylines and that's really cool to see but how long is that momentum going to stay if you're losing all the time I, I just i feel bad for him because i do think he deserves better than what he's gotten his character has changed you know so much in two years like he's gone from baron corbin to you know uh sad depressed corbin to king corbin to happy corbin I, you you lose track um but there you have it um after this you would see the usos against the street profits and these are two great tag teams and they had a, a genuinely excellent match i thought that their tv match on uh, smackdown uh was was better but this one was very good as well the usos to no surprise retained um so if you keep a score uh there have been no title changes <laughs> so you then after that have Liv morgan against ronda rousey and they do the whole controversial finish here so that you know rousey's trying to submit her but rousey's shoulders are down and you know Liv taps at the same time and blah 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 we've seen that for forever and a day uh live morgan retained though and uh you know it shows that they have a little bit of faith in live morgan uh, i don't really know what they're going to do with rousey from here on out but uh the main event is right question is yeah because again is rousey working heel or face that's funny you mentioned that and this is like because i stopped taking notes you know after the usos street profits match and i don't know i think they're just letting her do what she wants like she's more heelish than she is anything else for sure because, because genuine personality for those who have watched ufc is mm -hmm. you know that of a, a, a bitchy type person yeah because i was going to say off of what you said that that the only thing would be to do with her would be to let her go full heel and kind of run through the undercard yeah and then reposition herself against live or whatever face champion might be at the moment yeah and that's they should do like she, they refer to her as the baddest woman on the planet that kind of thing so they're trying to do face things with her but at the same time like she you know insults the crowd and stuff so it's a little bit of both um the main event oh i forgot to mention that uh, being that we were in nashville uh, jeff jarrett was the guest referee in the uso street profits match um which you know fun to see jeff jarrett he had big uh, weekend for him yeah i was gonna say he had duties on saturday and sunday yeah um the main event here would be roman reigns against brock lesnar in a last man standing match and this match would go about 23 minutes and maybe this is where some of the praise for Triple H is coming in. Um, I am, to say I'm fed up with the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar feud is an understatement. They tried to make it fresh here, but it's a last man standing match, and it's still very much PG, so you didn't see any blood, but they did what they could to make it have a lot of gaga and shenanigans going on. Um, Brock Lesnar comes out with a a tractor with a, a basically a bulldozer and he lifts up the ring i don't know if you've seen this image leonard no he bulldozed the ring yeah he like lifts up a corner of the ring in the air so that it's like slanted downward you know um and it's 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 quite the visual i'll totally admit that it's quite the visual why did he do that to well it that then propelled roman reigns to roll down to the corner of the post so okay yeah so there was a lot of shenanigans with the bulldozer he put 
Roman Reigns in the bulldozer at one point and then dumped him in the ring. And, you know, yeah. It was you know a- what? This Anytime a vehicle gets involved like that, I think of the Steve Austin beer truck. Sure, we all do. That, yeah. that leads to the Kurt Angle milk truck. And it's just, what can we do with a vehicle? That seems- raw, those are good raw TV segments. Right. I think that's the thing. It's like, we need something that is going to really wake people up or really get people to talk. I know let's bring a vehicle out. And, you know, you have this, you know, kind of farmer Brock Lesnar character mm-hmm. and, you know, who wears the cowboy hat and, you know, the cutoff flannel and all that kind of stuff. And they, they wanted to give this match some freshness to it because we've seen them do everything at this point. Yeah. No one cares and the reason why no one cares is because they're shoving Roman Reigns' title reign and the length of it down our throat. And the reason they're doing, and when they do that, the the consequence to that is no one thinks that there's a threat to his to him. Mm-hmm. He's beaten Brock Lesnar many times. I didn't for a second think that Brock Lesnar was going to win this match because they kept advertising 699 days. If he gets to 700, like. So I knew that Brock Lesnar was going to lose, which he did. And it's just like, yeah, they tried to make the match fun. And, you know, it was fun to an extent, but there were no title changes on this card. Like, so what is the new era that people were talking about? What's the freshness that people were talking about? Nothing happened except for Becky Lynch turned face. Bailey came back. There were some people that came back. I think all those comebacks were expected to a certain extent. This is before Vince retired. I don't think anybody thought that Triple H called Bailey like she was injured. She was ready to come back. What I have heard since this pay-per-view is that they're now in talks or have approved for Sasha Banks and um, Naomi Naomi to officially return, which is great if that's the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, so overall, like this match, I thought was okay. Like I said, the main event, but overall I, I just they need to not have brock lesnar and roman reigns be together ever again um like it, it is just played itself out and in our next SummerSlam topic you'll hear about me talk about that again and uh you know so overall i thought that the show was entertaining as it needed to be but there were a lot of matches i didn't care about and none of the results moved the needle as roman reigns likes to say these days so that is my kind of overarching thought on this show. You know, it's odd to not have any title changes on a SummerSlam, but I think the reason probably why is Triple H just got there. I don't think he, at this point, would probably know what he wants to do. So right. when you have an overturn like this, it's very much, okay, we got to hold the status quo for a while until right. we figure it out. I know they got the clash at the castle coming up, I would say that you're probably by Survivor Series. I think you're really going to see what Triple H has in store, has planned. You're going to see where people fall in the card. You may see some people leave, some people come in. Um, and then by Royal Rumble, it's going to be you're you're going to know if he's working or not working, and then in, into WrestleMania. Right. So yeah. my thing is, I am very very curious to see what WrestleMania next year looks like. Yeah, me no, me too. I I agree. Um, and in that pick'em, I only missed that one match. So without watching the product at all and knowing zero, I only missed one match on the entire card. And that that 
that should tell you a lot too. Um, so the other event that happened that weekend is uh, Ric Flair's last match. Um, yeah, I'm very interested in watching uh, that show. I would rather watch that than SummerSlam for curiosity factor. Yeah, and I was curious to watch it too. You know, it was $35 on fight uh, to, to, to buy it. And I, I just, I, I didn't have the motivation to spend that much money on, on the card because I wasn't sure that anything would be worth it on there. But a uh, good friend of the show, Ronnie, did watch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said that I would offer up some of his thoughts here on, on this recap. And uh, he said uh, of the of the main event itself, there are parts of the match that are really, really long and uncomfortable to watch. Um, he said there's no reason why a 73-year-old th- should be in the ring for almost 40 minutes. <laughs> and I, I think – I forget the match time. I think it was like uh, – I forget what it was, like 27 or something, I thought. <laughs> but that's still a very long time. Uh, yeah. Uh, it probably felt like 40 minutes. I, I don't doubt that. Uh, he said Jeff Jarrett was better here than any of his 12 years of DNA. Um, he said Andrade is a horrible white meat baby face, which I believe. I believe that. Um, he said that Jay Lethal is a saint for putting up with all the shit, as he calls it. Um, he said he deserves to be a billionaire, <laughs> which, you know, obviously... Anybody who's seen the promo that they did in TNA, Ric Flair and Jay Lethal, yeah, you know that Rick, uh, Jay Lethal has probably the utmost respect for Ric Flair, and is it's probably he's very much a mentor and a legend. So. I think I think Lethal is a great underrated talent because you know he's worked on top for smaller companies, but he's right. been given you know Impact and Ring of Honor, but AEW, WWE, nothing like that. I know he's made appearances for AEW, but nothing major he's very much a part of the roh wing of aew now yeah. he, he had a feud with samoa joe for the uh tv championship i believe um but we'll see if he ends up on the main roster of aew at any point um so ronnie also said anybody who watched this live wanted to see if rick would actually die in the ring and uh, anybody who watched it later is only doing so because they know he doesn't which i love that uh, because that can probably sum yeah. up that probably sums up so many people's uh purchases of this event uh and so i asked him if he had any thoughts on any of the other parts of the show he said the production was good considering this is basically an all-star indie show it was below aew and wwe but it was still passable and he said the old uh, jim crockett promotion set was a nice touch brought back lots of memories so you know from what ronnie you know wrote wrote us it seems like the rest of the show was was pretty good he said the um uh motor city machine guns versus the american wolves was really good which i would have guessed um he said josh alexander or jacob fatu was a good heavyweight type brawl and he was very interested in seeing fatu i would be as well um he uh mentioned that briscoe's versus von eric's was just okay uh, which surprises me i was kind of very interested in that one as well because uh, yeah, again i haven't seen the von eric's and he said that they came across as, as a bit green and the Briscoes kind of had to lead them through the match. Um, he said Ricky and Kerry Morton versus Brock Anderson, Brian Coleman Jr. was okay. Um, he said the other four match and the impact knockouts three-way were, were both pretty good. Uh, he really likes Jonathan Gresham. He really likes Deanna uh, Peruzzo. Um, he said that the four-way Lucha match just had Shivani and Crockett laughing all the way through it because they didn't know who anybody was or what to call anything. <laughs> so I think that would have been funny in and of itself. And he said that they did help them out 
And I guess there were some guest commentators that came in, um, including uh, Tom Hannafin, formerly Tom Tom Phillips, uh, or uh, or Todd Phillips, right? Ian Riccoboni, Scott Diamore, Nick Aldis, and Joe Dombrowski uh, to kind of help uh, f- fill in a little bit. Uh, I think the only thing I, that uh, I missed here was he talked about uh, Kill Cross versus Harry Smith uh, just being okay as well. But there is some talent on there I'm very interested to to see. And as far as an indie show goes, which this basically was, that's a very interesting roster of people. If that was a show in my backyard, say somewhere in Ohio, you know, right. Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, even I'd I'd be there. I'd go on my way to get there because I that would be a really cool show to see. I think. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, if you watched either of these events, please let us know what you think in uh, the comments, and uh, we'd love to hear from uh, anybody who maybe thought otherwise of SummerSlam or uh, Ronnie's take on Ric Flair's last match. So mm-hmm. please check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out our random questions i'm sorry stupid questions <laughs> stupid questions and our random match reviews yes uh, also on youtube and for leonard my name is chad and we will see you next time and alexa will see you out